from Fox News. It's the campaign with Brett Baer. As we head into the week that the president and the U.S. Surgeon General have warned Americans that may be the most devastating week of the COVID-19 pandemic, it is hard for most to grapple with the scenario that we're facing as everyone continues to do their part to slow the spread and fight the pandemic. It begs the question, what will the world look like post-coronavirus? Our socially distant panel is anxiously waiting to discuss. But first, Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey gives us an update from the digital campaign trail. Wisconsin is set for in-person voting after the state Supreme Court overruled an executive order by the Democratic governor to delay it for two months. Despite the heroic efforts and good work of our local election officials, poll workers, and National Guard troops, there's not a sufficiently safe way to administer in-person voting. Republicans in Wisconsin had been pushing for in-person voting, arguing local clerks could keep things safe. Anything from plexiglass to uh, social distancing where there's blacked out positions for voters. The GOP isn't in a rush to see Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders, but thousands of other races statewide. It's more critical now than ever that we make sure we fill the mayoral slots, the city council slots, the county board slots, the school boards. Wisconsin is also host of the delayed Democratic convention, and President Trump tweeted about the delegate leader, Joe Biden. He wants a virtual convention, one where he doesn't have to show up. Gee, I wonder why. Biden shot back, Mr. President, I hope we can gather in Milwaukee, but that is going to depend on you stepping up and doing what needs to be done to handle this pandemic. Biden has also discussed how to vet a running mate with Barack Obama, even though he hasn't officially beaten Bernie Sanders. But the two have opened a back channel. I was apologizing to him by saying, Bernie, I, I, I don't want in any way, and not in any way to demean your effort. But if we don't start now, we're not going to be able to get there. And he was very gracious. Biden says his campaign is going to put together a committee to pick a running mate by the middle of this month. And if things remain locked down, that means this could be the first time that someone is picked to be a heartbeat away from the presidency by Skype. In Alexandria, Virginia, Peter Ducey, Fox News. Peter, thanks. Over the weekend, President Trump and the U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams both warned that this upcoming week will be one of the most trying for Americans. President Trump saying at a certain point, some hard decisions are going to have to be made. Over 40 states have announced shelter-in-place orders, and the Trump administration has advised Americans to wear cloth masks when in public spaces. These orders are necessary for public health, but there is no question they are fundamentally changing the way Americans live their lives. As changes mount, the questions on many minds are what does the world look like after COVID-19 pandemic passes on, and how will this change the 2020 election coming up? We'll start there with our panel, senior Washington correspondent for Politico, Anna Palmer, editor-in-chief of the Washington Free Beacon, and fellow at AEI, Matthew Cottonetti, and Fox News Politics editor, Chris Steinerwald. Okay, Anna, a post-coronavirus, I mean, it's actually hard to get us there right now in this, uh, where we've been, uh, now we've been in this, this place, uh, but how that transition is going to be something, getting back to real life. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's hard to know exactly when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. When are Americans who, even a few weeks ago, I think would have thought the, this is the unthinkable to be sheltering in place, wearing masks in public. When are they going to feel comfortable to gather? Right now, you're really seeing a shift by both Joe Biden and uh, the president's campaign operations to, to go digital, to try to do as much as they can. And there's a forecasting that even the conventions are now going to be digital. So it's kind of, we're really in uncharted territory, I think. Matthew? Uh, Right. Well, uh, think about how much has changed, Brett, just in the last month. Um, Americans, indeed the world, exist in a different reality than they did five weeks ago. And so when we begin to speculate what the world might look like five weeks from now, I think it's very difficult just because we had no conception that we would be holding a podcast over Zoom or that um, sports would end. Um, I do think, though, there's a reserve of longing to return to something like normal. And so even though most people now seem to adhere to the consensus that social distancing and isolation is necessary, uh, once the pandemic begins to fade, I do think you'll see people uh, return to normal. And the, the question there is, is that going to just lead to another outbreak? Right. What is normal? Uh, Chris, you know, the president has his coronavirus task force. He obviously has his financial team, but he's talked at least about uh, a possible second task force to help the country get back to whatever the new normal is, uh, get back into stirring up the economy again. The Perino Commission. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Look, I think it is a mark of our optimism that people are increasingly focused on what comes next that works on the assumption that we will win. We will defeat uh, this uh, shared foe and we will go on to the next thing. So that's sort of the upside. The downside here is you can already see the ideological and partisan rifts forming. On the Democratic side, there's an ongoing debate about do you attack Trump in November for what it sounds like the Biden campaign wants to do, which is attack him for missing early cues, thereby jeopardizing the economy. Therefore, it's his fault. So you can do that as opposed to obviously what the uh, far left in the Democratic Party wants to do, which is to say that it's been uh, that the that the relief has been slanted toward elites and big companies. So that fight will play out uh, among Democrats. And then among Republicans, the question becomes, how soon? How much? Uh, when will tolerance in places like you see it right now in Wisconsin, where Republicans are fighting tooth and nail uh, against restrictions? These are the legislative leaders in the state house in Madison fighting tooth and nail against the Democratic governor to open up more stuff, do it faster, hold the primary, all that razzmatazz. So I think we're starting to see the, the fault lines open up in a clearer way. And to Chris's point, I mean, you saw the Dow today, this is Monday, rally on kind of just a a glimmer of hope that some of these places are starting to see a peak and going down. Um, It wasn't much more than that. I mean, in the UK, Boris Johnson is now in ICU uh, battling the coronavirus. Um, So there's still a lot of scary news out there, obviously, but there is some hope of getting on the other side. And the question is what that looks like as far as the election goes as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what you're seeing, right, is the CEOs, the business community in America saying they don't want to be crass. Clearly, there's a crisis happening across the country, in New York in particular right now. But they also, I think there's a, a fundamental desire to know and be more predictive in terms of when can people go back to work. We, you know, the feeling that this economy can't be shut down for, you know, months and months on end and people need to have some sense that they're going to get back to work. To your point at the stock market, I do think anytime there's a momentary glimmer of hope or things are a little better than expected, and you really, we've been tracking it every day in Playbook, it, it has a spike, but then it often kind of has a, you know, returns to lower numbers. I think in terms of Democrats and what they do on the campaign trail, the interesting thing is really going to be, you know, can Joe Biden attack the president on the response? I think that probably depends on what happens in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, uh, effectively. And will Republicans continue to, to kind of be in lockstep with this president and with his response? We haven't seen a lot of people break from him in the Republican Party in Congress, but these incumbents are going to be, it's, this is going to be a referendum on kind of the Trump administration and their handling of this. And so I think it will be interesting to watch in the next couple of weeks, do we see any Republicans get nervous about the and the ultimate handling of this crisis? Yeah, I, I do think that there is, Matthew, a little piece of, you know, if you go too far right now in, in playing this game of, of who said what, when at the beginning, if that, in the middle of a crisis, if going through it, you spend the time attacking right now on that front, there is some of the American public and voters who would maybe say, hey, let's get through this and then go backwards. There's something to that. I mean, I'm, I've always been of the opinion that elections are about the future, not the past. And so then the question will be, in November, who has the better plan, not only for dealing with the new realities imposed by the coronavirus on us, but more importantly, I think, who has the better plan for the economy? Every day that we continue to be shut down, uh, we go one day closer to a, another Great Depression. And uh, the alternatives are horrifying uh, because of the loss of life and the uh, strained capacity of our healthcare system. But when you think through uh, what the next couple months might look like and the economic situation that we might confront, that's where I think the real political peril for President Trump lies. It's not so much in what he said in February, when no one was really paying attention to coronavirus globally. Uh, it's really how does he deal with uh, what will be uh, depression levels of unemployment, uh, possible um, liquidity crises, international economic crises. And then as night follows day, there, there will be foreign policy fallout as well. That will be, I think, the crucial issues in the election. Yeah, Chris, I mean, I think that the finance, to Matthew's point, bouncing out of that, there's all these people that say it's going to be a V recovery, but, you know, it, it could take some starting the engine uh, to get going towards that V. And that's where you start to have concerns about inflation. Uh, we've pumped so much money uh, into this, and Americans uh, older than 50 uh, can remember well what happened uh, in 1982, 1981 and 1982, where basically to defeat inflation, it was necessary to force the country into another recession uh, by raising interest rates. So here's what we can know for sure, which is there will be many things that were done in the first stimulus and the stimuli to follow and bailouts and whatever that will be right. And there will be much of it that will be wrong. 
uh, the nature of these measures and these policies is that people want to act urgently, throw it like a grenade, and run away. And that is exactly what Congress did on this $2 trillion and whatever happens next. Um, I think Matthew's absolutely right. Every likelihood says that, not every, almost every likelihood says that by November, the discussion is not going to be, uh, could Trump have done more or what did the CDC do wrong? Uh, how did they miss these things? The testing regime and all that stuff. Those discussions will definitely take place. But what November is going to be a referendum on is, does the country feel like Trump did a pretty good job? Uh, did he do the best uh, sort of as well as could be expected? And are they optimistic about what comes next? If they don't think that good things are to come and they don't think that a recovery is going to take hold, uh, there is there is no blue ribbon commission he could put together to save him from voters frustration. We'll hear from our panel after this. You know, the physical getting through this and then on the other side and, and people Anna say, OK, now's the time to come out. Uh, now's the time to go to a restaurant or a bar. It, there's going to be a lot of skittish people who are saying at, the, at least the beginning, say, I'm not sure I'm ready to do this. I think absolutely, particularly because the guidance has been kind of so stopping and starting and, and, you know, what we were told a month ago, what we were told this week in terms of now wearing masks, the guidance has really changed. And so I think there's a real question about, you know, what is, you know, when people are telling you something, are they actually telling you something that is truthful or is it just kind of the incentive to get the economy back going? The other thing I would just say, yes, the economy is going to be huge for this election, but I do think healthcare is going to be a big issue because you're going to have a lot of Americans that, you know, maybe had had coronavirus and, and, and were able to survive it. But there's going to be a lot of people with underlying health issues. It's an, it's an issue that, you know, Trump said he was going to replace Obamacare. He was unsuccessful on that. I think Republicans are going to have to find an answer to the question of health care because it's an area that Democrats are very comfortable writing attack ads and talking about what they what they've done on that issue. Well, and the president, the vice president, haven't exactly helped them at that one briefing where Mike Pence asked, answered John Roberts' question, Matthew. He said, uh, President Trump turned to the vice president and said, well, that was one of the best answers I've seen. Five minutes and he never answered your question, John. And I mean, it was That's an automatic health care attack. He always says the quiet part out loud. It really does. That's your outside voice. Uh, he, uh, um, you know, but we're backing into a situation where we have a version of Medicare for all for coronavirus patients already. Yeah. So. You know, the government has said that uh, they're going to try to set something up to pay for treatment, um, even of those who don't have insurance. I mean, this too, again, just uh, wildly speculating um, the, the the role of the federal government has has changed in a way that I don't think we can we've even begun to appreciate. I think the the, um, the CARES Act increased the size just but purely by expenditure of the government by half. And it's the beginning. <laughs> no one thinks we're stopping here. And right. so that the politics of it are, are a little bit odd. I agree. Yes, healthcare is an issue. But what does the healthcare issue look like in an arena where the government's paying for these hospital beds? The, we're having the um, uh, federal government commandeer private enterprises in order to produce ventilators or um, uh, masks. Or, and indeed, now the new political issue is, are we doing enough command and control, right? That's what Schumer and Cuomo are trying to get Trump to do. Our government needs to be more forceful in um, instructing private business. So it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very cloudy picture, but I think by November, our assumptions of what government should do, what its role in the marketplace should be, what, what these issues even mean in electoral terms 
uh, could be very different than they are today. But Chris, is there any pushback in a voter voter public that now sees a massive federal government that has expanded to Matthew's point to deal with this? But is there any pushback to Democrats who tried to get even more of the pie with you know Green New Deal um, pieces of legislation and and kind of expanding the universe of things that could fall into these big bills? Is there any any negativity to that effort? Well, as, as both parties try to land these giant mackerels that they have in mind for the fall, uh, trillions more, Trump has a $2 trillion infrastructure uh, spending plan in mind. Pelosi has, as you say, a, uh, a whole host of uh, Democratic Party uh, priorities, things that do relate to uh, minimum wage and do relate to health insurance and do relate to all of those things that she would like to see the spending on. I think... What happens in times of great national concern? Uh, the last time we saw, of course, was in the uh, panic of 2008, but certainly at 9-11 before that. There is a broad consensus in the electorate, and we see it this time, for do a lot, do it now, I don't care, just do more. And polls have continued to show uh, a, a robust enthusiasm for deeper and larger government intervention. But what always happens is those, this is, we had Palm Sunday this week, uh, the same people who greeted the federal Leviathan and the growth and all of the programs and all of the things, uh, uh, when they're coming to town, uh, are not so happy when it gets to Good Friday, right? They, uh, they're, they're, they're not happy later. And the revolt that we saw on the left and the right, whether it's Occupy Wall Street or the Tea Party, were a result of people who, the backlash against these sorts of overbroad spending uh, packages. Well, thank you, guys. We've got a long time to go before we get to uh, whatever it looks like post-coronavirus because we're still in it. So uh, thanks for the time. Here's a public health tip. Americans, obviously, overall are doing their part to flatten the curve by social distancing and only leaving their homes for essential purposes, obviously washing their hands, as we've heard numerous times, 20 seconds or more. Well, while you're stuck at home, listening to music, according to the experts, is a good way to keep your spirits high, stay entertained. I, in this time, have rediscovered my love for Tom Petty. I didn't know how many good songs Tom Petty had, but for some reason, I found him. And uh, I've enjoyed Tom Petty on my time stuck in the office and at home. Hope you can find your music that you want to listen to. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Anna and Matthew and Chris, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.